Well, it is Father's Day, and I want us all to rejoice, to celebrate. I know I'm very mindful that every Mother's Day and Father's Day, for some, those days aren't as joyful. For some, it's because they're not fathers or mothers. For some, it's because they've lost their earthly father or mother on Mother's Day. For some, they just had crummy parents, and it's not very fun to celebrate, especially on Father's Day, a dad who is crummy. And so, so some come today, and, and perhaps you're like, eh, eh, Father's Day, eh. But I want us to celebrate today. Because if you are a child of God, then you have the perfect father. Yeah, he is the perfect father. So today, on Father's Day, I want us to consider how our father is toward us. Now, let me back up a moment. The reason why we're doing this, this is all within a plan, Uh, When Mona and I had the chance, by your graciousness toward us, to go on sabbatical, God has been doing this incredible work in us. And and I'll put it to you this way. For me, I think for both of us, he has been convincing us of his love. Now, we had a a state, we could tell you he loves us, We we could have said God is love, but He has been in the process in my own heart of really helping me to be convinced that he loves me, really believing that he loves me, not not just, you know, limitedly, but limitlessly, not just conditionally, but unconditionally, not just pouring out a little bit of love, but lavishly loving. He has been convincing me of his love for me. And what I'm finding is, as I, as I am more and more convinced that my Heavenly Father loves me, I am more free to love other people. Because it won't matter what they say. It won't matter how they respond to my loving them. Because what matters is my Heavenly Father loves me. And so today, I want us to continue on that. We've, we've come back and we've, we're, we're talking about love strong. We want to be a church family that loves strong. And, and just to set this up, we are uh, going to have a, kind of a kickoff for a love strong, I don't know what else, to, I hate this word, but I can't think of anything else to use. A love strong campaign, if you will. We are going to be pushing our church. We're going to pray that our church family loves stronger and stronger and stronger. And first, loves one another better. And then loves this community better. And the way we're working toward that weekend, you you heard an announcement about July 8th. July 8th is the Love Strong Praise and Worship Night. That's a Saturday night. Then that next morning, Sunday morning, July the 9th, will be our big kickoff. We're, we're going to invite the Cornerstone kids to stay up here with us. That'll be our family uh, uh, Sunday. And we're just going to have a big old shindig together as we start talking about now taking the Father's love for us and transferring it to one another and then beyond this church family out into this community. That's, that's where we're headed. But I am convinced and I'm working off the premise that loved people love people. That you and I can be told all of our life, you've got to love the other people. You've got to love other believers. You've got to love the community in which you live. And we can say, okay, I'll try. And we fail. Because we haven't felt loved ourselves. 
But when we recognize how loved we are, we take that love and it's more freely shown to other people, to one another, other brothers and sisters in Christ, but also our community. So we've kind of been operating until July uh, 9th there, the big kickoff. We've just been talking about the fact that loved people love people. We've been setting the stage. And today is no different. Today, the reason why I want to talk about in my father's eyes is because I want us to see how loved we are by the heavenly father and how he looks at us, how he sees us as his children. What does he think about us when he looks upon us? And I want to talk about that because I think we misunderstand. I think we get some preconceived notions. We have things that go on here on earth that cause us to cast that onto our Heavenly Father. You know as well as I do that earthly love is less than perfect, right? Earthly love tends to be weak and frail and flawed, it tends to be conditional. It tends to be limited. And, and in our culture, in our day in which we live, we talk about falling in love, which means it just kind of happens by accident, right? I just fell in love with him or her. But then the problem is we just as easily accidentally fall out of love, right? Are you with me? And so love becomes this unconditional, limited mushy, gushy, feely, wheely thing, and then we transfer it onto our Heavenly Father, and we think, you know, the way I've seen love work here on earth is probably the same way that God loves me. And I want to say, baloney, not true. Absolutely not true. God's love is perfect. God loves us perfectly. It is not weak. It is not frail. It is not conditional. It is not limited. It's the opposite of those things. And we talked a little bit about that last week. But today I want to ask this question. As God looks at you, what's he thinking? What does he think? As he looks on you, what's he saying to himself? Some of us may think wrongly. And so I want to, I want to deal with some wrong uh, uh, ideas here. And I, I missed one slide. You, you saw the slide of the new baby, and I just have to put it up as we get going. This next slide is the grand crew. Our grand crew is growing. Now we have three, so we're pretty thrilled, pretty jazzed, and, and that'll come into play later. I was going to talk about that before, but anyway, it happened now. So the question is, as a father, how does God view you. So let's talk about some misunderstanding or some incorrect views that we have when we think about how God sees us. Incorrect ideas in the way God sees us. First, some of us might think that God has glaring eyes when he looks at us. You know, the kind that's just glaring in anger. He's waiting for us to mess up. And when, he do, when we do, he's like, aha! Shame, 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 guilt, guilt, guilt. I told you you were no good. He's this angry God who is just waiting for us to mess up. Now, I've gone to great lengths to emphasize that, and perhaps it's not as strong in our thinking, but nonetheless, it may be there. God's just waiting for me to mess up. He's looking at me with glaring eyes. Or maybe you think of God as a God who's looking at me with closed eyes. 
which means he's not really even looking at me. He's like this absent God who doesn't know what's going on in my life and, quite frankly, doesn't even care what's going on in my life. Or perhaps you think of God in this way. He's looking at me with shifty eyes. He's antagonistic. He's, he's trying to trick me. You know, he's playing games with me. He tells me to do this, and he will bless me. And so I do that, and I don't find the blessing. And I think, see, he's tricking me. He's playing games with me. And so you, you might perceive God as a God with shifty eyes. He's antagonistic. Or perhaps maybe you just see God as a God with mean eyes. He's abusive. He is intentionally out to hurt me. And he's intentionally putting me in harm's way. And he, he enjoys it when I hurt. He's a, he's a mean God. And so we take what we see in earthly fathers and we portray it to God. We see an angry earthly father and we think, oh, the heavenly father is angry. We see a, a, God, or a father who is absent. He might even be in the home, but he doesn't care one iota about me as a kid. And we place that on the father. Oh, God's an absent father. Or we might have an abusive father, a mean father, and, and we might think that's the way God is, or antagonistic. He's just teasing me. He's constantly putting me down. He's constantly teasing and, and, and joking around with me. And we put all these things on God the Father. And today I want us to consider at least three, three truths about the way God looks at us. So let's talk about the truth. What is the truth? Now, again, let me say it this way. There is much more that could be said about God as a father toward us. So I've just selected three this morning. I think the list probably could be pretty exhaustive. We, we could go all, all day on this subject. But I just want to share three truths about the way God sees you. The way God sees you. And the first is simply this. God sees us as his beloved child his beloved child now probably you're going duh right you're probably going jeff i already know that jeff i've already heard i'm a child of god yeah yeah i get it but do you really believe it are you convinced of it See, first of all, we need to understand this this perspective see those who have put their faith and trust in jesus christ are children of god so let me correct something for us this morning. Now, maybe again, you've already known this, but I just need to correct it. Have you ever heard somebody, more typically outside the church, say, we're all children of God. We're all God's children. Speaking of, you know, everybody on this planet, is, is, we're all the children of God. No, I'm sorry to say we're not. Now, if we use that term to mean that we were all created by God, I guess you could put it in that term. Yes, we're all created by God, but we're not all God's children. Listen to what John chapter 1, verse 12 says in regard to who are the children of God. This is uh, John chapter 1, verse 12. But all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who are the children of God? Those who put their trust and faith, who have received Jesus Christ as their Savior, who believe that he died on the cross, 
in their place for their sins. They are the children of God. We are not all the children of God here on planet earth. But those who have received and believed in Jesus, they are the ones who truly are the children of God according to the word of God. As many as received him, to those he gave the right to become children of God. we got to get that understood. we got to get that clear. So if you're here today, you put your trust in a Savior, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross because you're a sinner and you were separated from God, and you put your faith in Jesus and what he did on that cross for you, then guess what? Bible says you're his child. So we're talking about those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus. They are a child. But you need to know they are a loved, very, very loved child. If you have uh, been a father, you, you know what it's like to have a, to have a child. Mona and I, when we were first married, we uh, loved on our niece, Autumn. We loved her. I mean, she'd come spend the night with us, and, and we just loved being with her. And then we had our own little girl. And all of a sudden, we continued to love Autumn, but our love for our own daughter was a little bit more, a little bit deeper, a little bit different, a little bit more, um, I don't know how to say it, more solid. We still loved Autumn. We still loved to be with Autumn. But now I was a daddy of this little girl. I wasn't just the uncle. I was the daddy. And I loved her. And I think Dustin said it in his sermon a few months back. He said, he loves Ryder, his son. And now I'm sure Wyatt, his son, just because they're his sons. They haven't done anything. In fact, if you went conditionally speaking, you would think he has every right not to love them if, he, if his love is conditional. But he loves them just because they're his son. Guess what? Our Heavenly Father loves you if you're his child just because you're his child. See, the scripture is very clear to those who put their faith and trust in Christ. Listen to 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. What love to be called the children, a child of God. Romans 8, 17 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. We are his children. He loves us deeply. He loves us unconditionally. He loves us perfectly. And so I want to read something to you that I read last week. It's my best take at writing a love letter from God to you. Okay, so it's my feeble attempt to help you understand the love our Heavenly Father has for His children. So imagine God speaking to you this. He says, I, I love you, my child. My love for you remains. My love can't get any greater, neither will it ever diminish. It doesn't matter what you say or do. It doesn't matter how long you've walked away from me. It doesn't matter that you still aren't perfect it doesn't matter how big you think your sin is. There is nothing, there is no one that can cause my love for you to be distanced from you. You are my child. I love you perfectly. I love you limitlessly. I love you eternally. I love you unconditionally. I love you lavishly. I love you fully. You are my child. 
I love you graciously. I love you intimately. I love you graciously. I, or gloriously. I love you mercifully. I love you unendingly. I love you. I love you. I'm crazy about you. You are my child and I'm here. I'm right here with my strong arms open wide just waiting, waiting, waiting for you, my child, to run into them. And when you do, I promise, these hands that created the world will envelop you, will wrap entirely around you, will draw you close and close you in, will protect you and hold you strong. I am here. I love you. You are my child and I am crazy about you. I want you to hear today, dear church family, our Heavenly Father sees you as his child. But more than that, his beloved child. There is nothing that will ever separate you from the love that God the Father has for you. Nothing. Are you convinced of it? I pray so. As the Father looks at you, he doesn't look at you with disgust. He looks at you with love. So secondly, let me, let me bring out another point. Not only does the Father see his children as, as beloved children, but he also looks upon you as his masterpiece. You are a masterpiece. I didn't say a piece of work, okay? I said masterpiece. If you are his child, he sees you as a masterpiece. I have a picture up here that I want you to see. The next slide, Keenan, please. This picture right here took in, it was taken at the hospital. It was Ryder's first time to see little Wyatt. But I want you to see how daddy is looking at that little boy. Do you think he's thinking, gosh, how ugly this kid is? I don't think so. Right, Dustin? Okay, good. Thank you for affirming that. I have never heard a dad say about his daughter, boy, I hope she's smart and has much talent because she's not going to get by on her looks. I've never heard a dad say that. Why? Because every good earthly father sees their son or daughter as a masterpiece. My kids, honestly, truthfully, in my humble opinion, were the cutest kids ever. No ifs, ands, or buts. I'm sure you think that about your kids. See, that's what a father thinks. Can I tell you something? That's what the heavenly father thinks about you if you're his child. You are his masterpiece. Here's why. Many times over, you are his masterpiece. Number one, you're his masterpiece because he fearfully and wonderfully created you even while you were still in the womb. It's a familiar passage, but allow me to read it. And, and this is King David writing about himself, but you insert yourself in here. He says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. 
intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. Your heavenly Father thinks you're a masterpiece because he fearfully and wonderfully created you. And I might be the first one to say, God, why did you have to make me with such a big nose and such a big Adam's apple? Right? But I can still say I am fearfully and wonderfully made by the Heavenly Father. And as he looks at me, he sees me as a masterpiece, his handiwork, his creation. And the same is true of you. But secondly, he sees us as a masterpiece because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. So that in Ephesians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul talks to believers who are children of the perfect Heavenly Father, and he says this, He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, listen, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. (gasps) Whoa, 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 stop. Did you hear that? In Christ Jesus... We're his beloved child, but we're such a masterpiece that we stand in the blood of Jesus Christ, holy, blameless, guiltless. We talk about sin being forgiven when we put our faith and trust in Christ. Absolutely. Past, yes. Present, yes. Future, yes. We stand perfectly holy before the Father. He sees us as his masterpiece because he sees us as righteous. Paul puts it in a different way in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He says, "For for our sake, rather, he made him, God made Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. How is it that I can say our Heavenly Father sees us as his masterpiece? First, he's created us. We're created fearfully and wonderfully by God. But secondly, in Christ Jesus, we have such forgiveness that we stand before him holy, blameless, righteous, his masterpiece. I'm spitting, sorry, because I'm getting excited about this. We are his masterpiece. But I want to take you to another passage where it is point blank. It just states it as it is. Ephesians chapter 2, we know 8 and 9, right? For by grace are you saved through faith, right? That we are saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not of works. It's all given by him so that we can't boast about it. See, it's grace, God's grace, saving us through faith in Jesus But then verse 10 is a key verse that we often forget. We are his workmanship, the scripture says. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are his masterpiece in that as he has created us, And as he has redeemed us, made us righteous through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, he has also equipped us, made us his workmanship to do what he has called us to do. If you know Christ Jesus as your Savior, you have been gifted with spiritual gifts. 
If you know Christ Jesus as your Savior, that verse says you have work to do. But here's the cool thing. You're well equipped for it. You're well equipped. You are his workmanship. He has created you so perfectly that when he has given you a purpose, he has enabled you to fulfill that purpose. He looks at you as a masterpiece. Now, for some of you, maybe this is your hang-up. See, maybe your hang-up was to really believe that as a child you are beloved by God, but maybe your hang-up, and this would be me, is to really believe that you're a masterpiece. Last